Jumping on the bandwagon of uh, fuck Anheuser-Busch is Mr. Travis Tritt. Uh, basically, he's telling Anheuser-Busch to take a quarter and give it to somebody that cares or call somebody that cares. Anyways, country singer Travis Tritt announced on Twitter that he is making a stand against this transgender person on a can of Bud Light. And he is announcing that his tour writer... His tour right now, for those of you that don't know what a tour writer is, it's basically all the all the little thingamajigs that an artist needs in their hospitality trailers or rooms when they show up to a gig. But anyways, he's taking a stand and he is removing any Anheuser-Busch products from his tour hospitality writer. And this is amid the pushback the company is receiving after beer giant Bud Light celebrated transgender activist Dylan Mulvaney in a new promotion. Travis Tritt says, I will be, delete, be deleting all Anheuser-Busch products from my tour hospitality writer. I know many other artists who are doing the same. It's an uprising. It, this is Dick Gate. This is Dick Can Gate 2023. Hours later, Travis Tritt is uh, decided to throw another uh, alcohol manufacturer or company under the bus. And he shared a second tweet that included a photo of Ru- RuPaul's Drag Race and the show teaming up with Jack Daniels Tennessee Whiskey Company. And Travis Tritt wrote, all the Jack Daniels drinkers should take note. People are voting with their wallets. I guess that's the only thing you can do. I, if they're really that upset about it, they are voting with their wallets. They are slashing Anheuser-Busch out of their lives. And apparently Jack Daniels is on the radar too. Uh, Travis Tritt, yeah, man. All right, now here is a very, very, very interesting story, uh, and I think Apple's going to find themselves in some hot water over this one. But a Texas man claims that the Find My iPhone, Find My iPhone app has a glitch in it, and it keeps sending people to his house looking for their stolen devices. A homeowner in Texas has threatened to sue Apple after he says a glitch in the Find My app made people think he stole their iPhone and other products. Yeah, that could be a dangerous situation, man. You get people showing up at your house all pissed off that you got their iPad, their iWatch, and all this other kind of stuff. Uh, Scott Schuster took to Instagram on Sunday and claimed that people kept showing up to his Richmond, Texas home, alleging that the app is pinging his home as a location of their devices. He said he has multiple videos of people very upset and accusing him of stealing their expensive devices. He told ABC station KTRK that people have shown up to his home, which he's lived in since 2018, every few months for the last few years. Schuster did not respond to ABC News request for a comment. Uh, let's see. He showed videos of his doorbell uh, of angry people showing up to his home, accusing him of have stealing their items. He said he tried to reach out to Apple. This is a direct quote. I tried to reach out to tech support already, and they just closed my ticket, he wrote on Instagram. Schuster also reached out to Steve Wozniak, a co-founder of Apple, asking for help in resolving the issue. The Find My application is a program that allows Apple... Well, we know what it is. We don't have to read that. Um, Let me see. It sounds like this guy might be in the, in the ballpark of having a legitimate legal action against Apple. 
uh, for putting him in jeopardy and just making his life uh, very uh, annoying with people showing up looking for their stolen devices. Well, that's a weird one. How does that even happen? Well, and one thing, other thing he said, and this is where it, see, this is where the damage comes in. I don't trust humans not to show up drunk and outraged in the middle of the night looking for their phone or AirPods. It's happened before. He wrote on Instagram, this creates dangerous scenarios and my house is in the crosshairs. Uh, Apple has not responded, but man, that seems like a, that seems like a pretty big problem. All right, a new study has come out, and this study is very interesting because it's how much money do you need to be happy, and it's breaking it down by some of the states. Now, the question is, how much money does it take to be happy in California? Well, first off, across the board, they they discovered, now this is, uh, let's see, this is a March study from Go Banking Rates and Purdue University, and basically the study unveiled how much money a person would need to make to be happy in each state based on multiple factors such as cost of living and expenses. The Purdue University study from 2018 found that the average income needed to achieve happiness in the United States was $105,000 across the board. Now, experts at Go Banking Rates uh, use that figure to rank states that require the least to the most amount of money to achieve happiness. Now, where did California fall into this? Well, researchers noted that happiness is subjective so that these numbers won't apply to everyone. In California, here you go. Ready? What do you think it is? The minimum salary needed to be happy in California is $145,635. With experts citing that the state's notoriously high cost of living was one of the primary factors behind the high amount. Uh, Massachusetts and Hawaii were the only states with a higher salary requirement than the Golden State. Uh, Massachusetts was uh, 157000 to be happy, and Hawaii $195,000 to be happy. Now, the cheapest state to be happy in was apparently Mississippi, where it just takes a 12-pack of uh, Budweiser and your cousin to be happy. That's a really bad joke, uh, considering Budweiser and cousins and... Mississippi. Anyways, Mississippi was at the bottom of the list with $88,725 to be happy. Oklahoma and Alabama ranked uh, in the second and third spots, respectively, only requiring a minimum, minimum salary of $91,035 and $91,455 to be happy, uh, respectively. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, $145,000 in California. I mean, that, that feels about right. That feels about right. I mean, California is an ex- expensive place to be. God damn. I've got holes. I've got holes. In different area codes. Area codes. All right, what are, we, what are we talking about right here? Well, apparently there is a big difference between Gen Zers and Boomers and Millennials. And what is that regarding? That's regarding that millennials say it is inappropriate to have a work wife. What's a work wife? You know, that one girl or that work husband. You know, we've heard that term thrown around. This is my work wife, my work husband, etc. Well, millennials are saying that's a no-go. 
that is a no-go whatsoever. But Gen, Gen Zers and Boomers, uh, they're okay with it. They're okay with it. Gen Zers and Millennials are clashing on a topic of work spouses, a poll found. Work wives or husbands are co-workers who, is, who are especially close, often relying on each other for support and friendship in the workplace. The deep workplace relationships have long been compared with marital bonds without the rom- romantic element. However, a poll conducted in March uh, for Newsweek by Redfield and Wilton Strategies found that more than half of millennials disapprove of such relationships. In a poll of 1,500 U.S. adults, 57% of millennials, which the study categorized as 25 to 34-year-olds, said it wouldn't be acceptable to have a work spouse. Only 18% of those polled in the group said they thought work marriages were okay. 17% 17% said it depended on the circumstances, and 8% said and 8% said they didn't know. Newsweek reported. You know this is a cheap budget show. Uh, you know what? Everybody asks, how do you get away with playing the copyrighted music? Because this show doesn't make any money. It's not you know. It's I, there's no money coming in on the show. So what are they going to do? Demonetize me? I don't give a shit. The study found that most Gen Zers and Boomers were fine with the relationships. Only 39% of Gen Zers and 40% of Boomers said having a work partner was not okay. Of the total adults polled, 21% said they thought it was okay to have a work spouse, while 45% said the relationship was inappropriate. Although these relationships are typically platonic, one employee, who is referred to as Emily to preserve her anonymity, told Newsweek her work husband became her real husband. She said she believed work spouses could be non-romantic. However, the work relationships could also serve to fill a void that exists in someone's romantic relationship, she said. Uh, Let's see. The psychologist uh, Jennifer B. Rhodes and dating coach previously told Insider that workplace marriages were an uprising part of office life. They weren't typically an issue unless they were being used for something more intimate that would be, well, that should be inappropriate. That should that would be inappropriate in work settings, she said. Rhodes added, there's a tendency for people to have an emotional affair with their work wife or work husband when things are not really going well at home. Yeah, so watch out. Giving your husband, your wife a hard time, well, she's going to just go cry on her work husband, work wife's shoulders or something like that. Anyways. Three three four two oh five. I see y'all. Uh uh. Three one eight and six oh one. Two oh three eight oh four. Okay, on that note, uh, I have been running across a swarm of dirty cop uh, stories. And this one was from the Sacramento Bee. And this was an ex-cop, so the guy was retired. But he definitely used his uh, knowledge that he gained on the street. So what happened was this ex-cop helped run a string of massage parlors, uh, brothels in California and Arizona. 
An ex-cop is among four people accused of running five illicit massage parlors for prostitution in California and Arizona, federal authorities said. The 78-year-old former San Diego vice detective who left police work in 2002 used his skills and experience to help operate the criminal enterprise. The U.S. Attorney's Office for Southern District of California said in a news release, among other things, he helped the business avoid investigation, conceal evidence, and avoid regulatory inspections, according to the prosecutors. He also... He's also a former attorney who used his private investigator license to check up on customers and employees, uh, according to the release. He and three others ran massage parlors in San Diego and Tempe, Arizona, that were fronts for prostitution, prosecutors said. At one point, he told an employee he was a former cop and warned her not to open her mouth about the illicit business, according to the, re- according to the release. Uh, when one employee objected to providing sexual services to customers, another of the owners told her to leave her morals in China. Well, that's a little, that's a little, <laughs> that's a little, that's a little um, uh, racial. Uh, leave your morals in China, prosecutor said. The defendant, a former vice detective who once took an oath to uphold our laws, knew more than most that illicit massage businesses cruelly profit by exploiting women for commercial sex. That was from Kristen Clark, who's the assistant attorney general of the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division, uh, who also had statements in the release. The, the former detective and three other owners pled guilty Tuesday, April 4th, to a laundry list of charges, including conspiracy and racketeering. Uh, the release said they face up to 48 years in prison and $1.75 million in fines, according to the prosecutors. San Diego Police Chief David Nislet said no one is above the law. I'm appalled that someone who once took an oath to protect our community could prey on the vulnerable. Well, you know, crooked cops doing crooked shit and using their expertise to uh, make it go by a little smoother. What are you going to do? Yeah, you're going to fight the power. Well, I bet you can guess where I'm going with this one. All right, another man having problems on Reddit. And he's being branded as unreasonable by his wife for sleeping on the sofa when she won't shower. (laughs) A man has revealed that he refuses to share a bed with his wife. What is her occupation? Well, she's a gynecologist. And he's not sleeping in the bed with her because she won't shower before getting under the covers at night. So he took to the popular forum Reddit to share his relationship dilemma. The man explained that his wife's bedtime routine bothers him because of her occupation. In the post, he explained that she doesn't always shower after a day of hard work elbow deep in uh, vaginas, which fueled his decision to start sleeping on the sofa instead of in their marital bed. Despite defending his choice, not everyone agreed with the husband's actions. The man divided opinions when he revealed to fellow Reddit users that he often abandons his matrimonial bed in a bid to put his own health first. In the post, the 33-year-old is known on the forum as participant. participant. I can't believe I fucked up that word. Participant. He says, my 32-year-old wife is a gynecologist and works at a hospital. She recently mentioned that she is exposed to a lot of bodily fluids during her work day. <laughs> it's just 
I'm getting grossed out just thinking about this. Anyways, while I'm a proud of her for doing such an important job, I'm uncomfortable with the idea of sleeping in the same bed as, uh, bed as her without her showering first. Despite his attempts to ask her to take a shower before coming to bed, the man revealed that his wife believed he was unreasonable for making such a request. According to the Reddit post, the wife claimed that her use of gloves, regularly changing her scrubs, and taking careful precautions at work limit contamination. However, the man still felt uneasy about being exposed to bodily fluids from her patients, and he didn't think his request was unjustified. To take matters into his own hands, the proud husband revealed that he had made a bed on their living room sofa on several occasions when his wife won't shower. He wrote, My wife thinks I'm overreacting and being ridiculous by sleeping on the couch, but I don't want to compromise my comfort and health. Am I the asshole for choosing to sleep on the couch when my wife comes home from work without showering? I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah. You know, it, 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 if you're a doctor and you're dealing with bodily fluids exploding in your face all day and whatever, um, dude, I, I can't believe she doesn't want to take a shower when she gets home from work. Can you imagine just that, the veracity of the tuna odor that is just like wafting through her hair and stuff? Okay, so what? You wear glasses and you have a scrubs on, but I don't know. That's just gross. I'm I'm with the guy. I'm all for it. Yeah, if she's not going to shower when she gets home from work after like, you know, massaging, you know, meat curtains all day, forget it, man. You go take a shower. Nobody wants to be next to that. It's gross. The human world, it's a mess. Life under the sea is better than anything they got up there. All right. The Little Mermaid live action film is modifying song lyrics to include consent. The live action Little Mermaid starring Halle Bailey and Jonah Howard King will have some of the songs updated to modern times. Songs like Kiss the Girl and Poor Unfortunate Souls have had their lyrics modified to allow consent. There are some lyric changes in Kiss the Girl because people have gotten very sensitive about the idea that Prince Eric would in any way force himself on Ariel. Uh, that was according to a Vanity Fair article. Alan Minkin, who along with Howard Ashman created the soundtrack of the original animated film, worked with Lin-Manuel Miranda to update the lyrics for the live-action adaptation. In the scene where Kiss the Girl plays, Prince Eric is encouraged to kiss Ariel, who at this moment doesn't have a voice anymore. Poor Unfortunate Souls also has a line that was revised where Ursula says, The men up there don't like a lot of blabber. They think a girl who gossips is a bore. Yet on land, it's much preferred for ladies not to say a word. Minkin added, we have some revisions in Poor Unfortunate Souls regarding lines that might make young girls feel somehow uh, like they shouldn't speak out of turn, even though Ursula is clearly manipulating Ariel to give up her voice. The Little Mermaid hits theaters May 26th and is directed by Rob Marshall with a screenplay by David Maggie. Uh, the cast also includes Melissa McCarthy as Ursula, Javier Bardem as King Triton, along with David Diggs. Aquafina. Aqu she just has one name, Aquafina. Aqua. It's A W K W A F I N A. Aquafina, right? <laughs> I'm not even going to crack any jokes about that. Jacob Tremblay and, Nor and Noma Dumzwini, among others. Anyways, Little Mermaid. I'm sure we're going to be here in uh, Westboro Baptist. I'm sure is going to be out there protesting Little Mermaid or some shit like that. Okay. Oh, boy. 
I just can't wait. I just can't wait to the circus that's going to ensue. Anyways, updating the lyrics. All right, this is Jake with Radio Underland. It's been a pleasure doing business with you. Uh, I got to take off. I got a lot of stuff to do this weekend. Uh, you know, it's Easter weekend. It's like the Super Bowl for churches. We got to kill Christ and raise him from the dead multiple times uh, starting, uh, well, actually starting tonight for me. So that's where I'm going to be. Um, you know, we got to roll some stones away. Anyways, you guys have a good one. I will talk to you later. Be good humans. Be nice to each other. And if you're going to drink Bud Light, don't choke on the dick. Okay, later. Yeah, that's why it's hot, I'm not in water, yeah, we didn't look here, now we didn't fuck here.